Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk, a movie podcast where we give pumps and dumps. And welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and are you a chunk? I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. <laughs> they really are. And I'm Carter. No, they won't. Uh, what? You think you're some kind of a Jedi waving your hand around like that? I'm a Todarian. My tricks don't chunk on me, only money. <laughs> Are y'all good? <laughs> hey, I have to admit, oh. I never toot my own horn, but in the moment, I was like, I feel like the inflections are down too. What's happening? Or you, is that why you're laughing? Am you I crushed it? That was your the best Watto is absolutely unrivaled. <laughs> Speaking of things that are unrivaled, I can't help but notice that none of us is the yeah, hunk. And that's because our good friend Mike. Mike, we had hunk. we had the best time. If you oh haven't listened to that, please go go back to yesterday. I know you've got stuff that's going on today. Hey, uh album name? Go back, back to, yesterday. to yesterday. Two chunks and a hunk, back to yesterday. Uh, yeah. Mike Trozo. It's, just a, it's a mashup of Back to December and Yesterday by the Beatles. Yeah. He was a blast. Uh, we got to hear such an absolute treat yeah. to speak his with Hollywood him. escapades and his legitimate, I mean, famousness. I mean, there was yeah. enough random. Yeah. I know Mike well. I've known Mike for three years now, and I had not heard half of the things that he told us. So it was fun for him to kind of let his guard down a little bit and just not be afraid to not be modest for a while. Yeah, just let us that was awesome. Listen. So that's worth a listen for sure. Go back and, and listen to speaking it. speaking of worth the time, if you haven't watched Sky High in a little bit, yeah. can I suggest going to watch that movie? And this was my first watch. And that's, I- That's crazy. You would know my opinion even in more detail if you listened to yesterday's episode, but I really liked this movie. Yeah. It there was a good time. I was legitimately impressed by this- 
a 14 year old movie. Yeah. yeah it's, it, a, it's an actual fun movie. Big time recommendation. It was fun too. Like some of the things that I respect a lot now, I was like, did they rip sky high? Did sky high. <laughs> stop serious. This? Like I can't, I was like, when did, when did the Incredibles come out? Because it had to be about the same time. Right. Incredibles I mean, was 05 or 06. I it's think. also some confirmation. Like superheroes have been a big deal for a while. Yeah. Oh, Without a doubt. For a See, while. I think Sky High was too early though. I think if it had come out 10 years later in 2015, like- Oh, no doubt. That is the time to release that movie. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. How could they know though? Ahead of its time, they call it. Yeah, yeah, they do. That's what they say. That is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are talking about a movie today. Let's hear about it. Yeah. And that movie is continuing. Hey, in our- if you want to get excited for the Star Wars fans out there, including those in the room right Spoilers. now- Spoilers. Hold up. This is number four of 11 of these that we yeah. You're not even halfway. There's a lot of them. There's Guys, a whole I'm lot. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. I am kind of shocked by how quickly we have already burned through four of these. That just happens with this podcast. I think so. Episode I think 154 right. right now, if you count the mini Mondays. That's is, crazy to me. Yeah, it doesn't even compute to me. No, not but at all. The rate that we are capable of burning through movies is astronomical as is <laughs> this series. Whoa. This installment of which, of course, is known as Star, Star Wars, Wars The Phantom, Phantom Menace. Now, Doge, I know I don't have to ask, but I think it's polite to. You get to ask. Sure. Do you have for me a synopsis? Let me tell you, I sent my bucket down into the bottom of the IMDb well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's, I sent it deeper than I ever have before. Oh, snap. And whereas other synopsi have been <laughs> goldfishes or koi fishes, uh-huh, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angler. Tell me you got an angler. I have wrangled you boys an angler fish. More like for a wrangler episode. fish. An angle wrangle. <gasps> angler wrangler. The rarest wrangle. This week's synopsis comes from IMDb user STP43. And what I appreciate about STP43 is that while most users provide a synopsis of the movie itself, STP43 zooms out and gives us a very you complete picture. You just said a different name. Nope. STP43. It's the boy. Every time. You know what it was? In my head. I was trying to figure out a joke to make it fit with MST3K. Ah. So. Ah. Gotcha. It's embarrassing. There is another. (laughs) STP43 writes, It is a distant galaxy, eons before the gestation of the planet Earth. Trying too hard already. Advancements in technology and science have allowed the evolution of millions of worlds that are otherwise, in many respects, still primitive. What's happening? These worlds are somewhat loosely allied into a galactic republic whose capital world is the planet Coruscant, a planetary city. Upholding order for the Republic are the Jedi, an order of warriors endowed with near superpower, derived from the self-generated fields of energy collectively known as the Force. Within the Republic, dissident worlds have banded into an alliance known as the Trade Federation, and the Trade Federation is locked in a dispute with the peaceful world of Naboo. And the peaceful world of Naboo is doing this thing, (laughs) and this thing's doing this thing. Two Jedi Knights, Qui-Gon Jinn and his youthful apprentice Obi-Wan Kenobi, 
have been sent to Naboo to help mediate an end to the dispute, but Newt Gunray, an alien viceroy, orders them to be killed, and the two Jedi discover upon their escape that the Trade Federation will launch an invasion of Naboo. With the help of a well-meaning but hopelessly subliterate alien native of Naboo, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan land on Naboo to rescue her ruler, Queen Amidala, a ruler whose rule is a mixture of monarchy and Republican democracy. Wow. Escaping Naboo, they are attacked by a Federation battleship and are forced to land on the distant planet at Tatooine, where in seeking parts to complete their journey to Coruscant, they encounter a young boy, Anakin Skywalker, a slave who possesses a gift for the savagely dangerous sport of pod racing, a gift that Qui-Gon decides is part of a genetic makeup, perfect for the Jedi Order. Dude. Anakin eventually joins with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and in the process attracts the attention of one of Queen Amidala's handmaidens with a dramatic secret. And then they and do all reach stuff. Coruscant, oh but God. endless and pointless <laughs> debate within the Republic Senate leave them no choice but to strike out on their own to liberate Naboo, a task made all the more difficult because a traitor within Coruscant has at his command a dissident Jedi warrior <laughs> who seeks the death of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Okay, dude, what... Is this synopsis? I'm gonna change my super dumb. <laughs> no, I one of my least favorite. I'm a. I try to be a good Christian boy. I try to be a Christian. We boy. All, sure, we all do, even yeah. at a lesser extent. One of my least favorite people. I don't like smacking. My co-hosts know yeah. that smacking drives me up the wall. So one my ticket to a lot of people can't help smacking. You sure. can help what this person's doing. Yes, trying hard that. If you are in a normal conversation with this person, I don't know them. I guarantee you they don't talk like that. Well, I think a lot of times with those types of people, they pointlessly pontificate and extrapolate beyond gross. If you're doing the same reason. thing, that's really gross. Oh, okay. That drives me crazy. I think you could sing this synopsis to the tune of Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I haven't <laughs> tested that theory yet. Is there a I'm need for a podcast? I mean, they've said I was everything. thinking One Week by uh, Bare Naked Ladies just because that song's been popping up a lot. It has. I think we've talked about it for us. Queen Amidala, a ruler whose rule is a mixture of monarchy and Republican democracy. That sounds like lyrics, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Yeah, it, it, like if they're like, it's beyond Queen Amidala, a <laughs> mixture of rule and rule of democracy and I'm on the royal. <laughs> yeah. Lame. Yeah, I think out. that works. Oh, man, I can't man. wait to not talk about that synopsis. Yeah, that checks out to me. <laughs> there's clarity, but there's a lot of fat on that one. There sure is. Speaking of a lot of fat, there's going to be... Um, yeah, well, that, first of all. <laughs> there is, I think, methinks, in this Misa episode, thinks. there's going to be a lot of... You ready for that spice? Is that what we're talking spice. about? Spice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe thinking there's going to be a hefty dose of disagreement. I'm fine for so that. So I'd like because to Because start- that's how these series go. Yes. Yeah. Like with the OGs, let's take a moment to talk about that. With the original three... The 1977 to 1983, uh, there's a collective, this is amazing. This came out of nowhere. Yeah. This is a, you know, galaxy being born. Yeah. Right. But then what happens is that culture that fell in love with this and made this thing a billion dollars in the late seventies and early eighties took ownership of Mm -hmm. the story Mm -hmm. and of the characters. And now they have a right and they've had enough time to be offended. Mm -hmm. And now we get to come into the world of offense and this is when it gets fun. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is to start. So last week during return of the Jedi, there were a few moments where things got a little heated. Oh, but here's what I'd like to posit. 
that's when we're at our juiciest. Oh, for sure. And so I'd like to remind our I mean, listeners, what go- not what, us. What good is a steak without a little spice? You gotta have that spice. That's true. Come on. So <laughs> I, I want to remind our listeners, it's okay. We've been friends for a long time. We'll still be friends. And we're going to be friends after we fight about this movie. I think every day, pretty soon after I wake up, I think about your opinion of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> that is not, that was my third episode. And I've managed to continue being friends with you guys despite how misled you are about that movie. Okay. And I really I think that- I just am stuck in the middle. If we can, <laughs> if we can hey, disagree about that. a connector between us two. Can you think of the connector? Between I, what? I, it's immediately right there in is front it of you. Kira, yeah. It Kira certainly Knightley? is. It yeah. certainly is. It's our third Kira it's Knightley. It's KK. Sure. And she manages to deliver a much more hearty and heartfelt That's performance <clears throat> That's no. in Yikes. this movie. Nope, you're wrong. That's enough. So I want to remind our listeners, it's okay, but it's coming for you. And it's spicy. <laughs> So with that said, I'd love to start our discussion. Have we said the name of the movie? We have. Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> Which means. You mean to, you mean to we, read that good synopsis we again? We went so yeah, far no, off please. course. We went so far off course. Speaking of off course, the Jedi, the Knights, were not supposed to be on this ship. What ship am I talking about, friends? I don't know what Friendship? it's called. What's happening? The ship know. of the Trade Federation. They oh, weren't the expected to be ship? there. Yeah. Um, we don't know that. Well, I don't know what the name of that ship is. It's one of the Trade remember. Federation ships. It's a Trade Federation ship. It's yes. where our movie begins. Sure. Well, it's the floating battle station. They arrive on that like like maroon and white ship and then depart. They're supposed to be ambassadors for the Republic. Right. Yeah. But they're uh, they're coming in sabers hot. Yeah. So this is a tough sell almost immediately because the whole thing is the government has raised taxes on these trade routes and the trade federation is not on board with that and they're the villains and George Lucas forgot this movie came out in America a nation that was started because they didn't like the taxes that the government put on them this is initially kind of a hard sell for me i get th- i get that now in yeah. knowing you and hearing this definition i get that now i did not that's not necessarily something i think of as I'm watching. Yeah, I don't either. The movie. But an either. experience is is unique to every individual yeah. that watches it. Well, I think that that's kind of a, a dump that I have is that like the yeah. the line the sides in this conflict are not clearly defined. And I have no reason yeah. like throughout this movie, there's really very little logic to accompany the things that are happening. Like I have no reason to believe that the Republic is a better alternative than the trade Federation. Yeah. I have no reason to believe it's a mistake to train Anakin. Yeah. Like I have no reason, like there's a lot of telling and no showing. Yeah. Sure. I would there's say, I would say no showing in this movie. This goes into the bucket of nostalgia for me, this movie in general, but there's something that happens with nostalgia that I've noticed, especially in critically looking back at movies that I love We've done a lot of these. We've done Disney. We've yeah. done Harry Potter. We've done Lord of the Rings. Is that with nostalgia, it's not that I'm blind to. I kind of sweep to the side yeah. some things. And I think I a lot of people do It's that. like a willing, like, yeah, it's okay. I can deal with that, even though, honestly, in world building, my opinion's different for different movies. Like, if it's a first-time watch as a 31-year-old, I'm like, that affects my opinion right now. Yeah. You know? And so it's so interesting when it's something that is generational for a viewer. Sure. Like it's, and again, with Star Wars, with all of these movies, except for the newest ones, we're going to have, you know, for six of these installments, we're going to have 
two opinions fighting each other. Right. Yeah. And it's like, where do we land? Is it somewhere in the middle? And honestly, you might as well have a picture of a scientific cinema scale and that's the, yeah. our opinions and whatever the middle is, is what we rate the movie. Sure. You know, it's so interesting. Yeah. I've wondered, I wondered that as I was watching this last night is like, so I do have the two opinions fighting themselves about this one in particular. Sure. I think the prequels get better as they go. And of course we'll talk about that in coming weeks, yeah. but like this one, this was like the star Wars movie for me when I was a kid, it came out when I was five and like, I loved this movie and I loved the other two prequels too. And so there's that nostalgia element. And then now watching as an adult, there's the critical element. Sure. And I'm yeah. wondering if the nostalgia element allows me to be more forgiving on the critical element than I am maybe for some of the more recent films that I'm much more critical of. Like, I wonder, are these really that much better than the ones that I don't yeah. like as much? That's such a unique thing that falls in a series that spans several decades. Yeah. Right? It started in the seventies. So the next movie is almost 2020. It'll be in theaters in 2020, which means the star Wars series will be a part of five decades. Wow. Yeah. Over nine movies, uh, 11, if we're counting the other ones we're reviewing, but it's, it's bound to change. I mean, people yeah. change. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that, so this, this might be a little on the spicy side to start things off, but I know that one of the common complaints with the prequels is the political aspect of the story. Yeah. I'm actually really fascinated by it. I don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't either. I know that if anything to see the Senate, that is one of my favorite sets. Yeah. Right. One of my Senate's favorite cool. designs of an environment. Well, and, and I love, I love the idea that so many of these, um, Stories that are affecting smaller quote unquote characters like are being and set family. in motion. Right. <laughs> They're being set in motion by this distant cold Senate that yeah. isn't thinking of the people they're representing. Yeah. Sure. But we're supposed to root for that Senate. Right. That's, I think we're right. supposed to root for the people that are. So th this is where it gets tricky. Because I think we're supposed to root for the people that are rooting for the Senate, not necessarily root for the Senate. I agree. See, that's the thing. I think we go operatic in tone in these yes. in a way that we don't go in the originals. And so we want like the conflict, the lines of conflict are so huge that we really need personal ties to them to care about them. And the character work is just not there, especially yeah. in this one. To because me. If, if you're pro Senate anti-trade federation, then the next two movies, especially are going to be very confusing. Yes. If you're pro Jedi order in the furthering of Obi-Wan and his story and Anakin and his story, things get a little easier to suss but out. But we're not even supposed forward. to be pro Jedi order. No, right. Right. I just mean specifically the characters involved in the yeah. Jedi order, not the Jedi order as an institution. Sure. Personally for me, what this in between does and what it has done for me makes Palpatine one of the most powerful beings in the universe because of his ability to persuade and, and play two roles. Yeah, so the right. entire, the entire thing of like, who do I root for? I mean, isn't Palpatine the nucleus? Isn't yeah. the Sidious Palpatine storyline the whole reason of tricking everybody? It's right. like, who do I root for? Wait a second. So uh, evil things can be packaged in good uh, intentions, yeah. right? So that's why for me, this isn't that big of a deal and, and makes the story a little bit better personally is because this is the guy who we know that, uh, who we actually don't even technically see in the flesh outside of a hologram until the yeah. sixth episode is the big bad. But now we get him in episode one. Yeah. And so there's already a knowledge of him. Was it supposed to be, I, I was too young maybe to get a lot of this or to remember this. Maybe was it supposed to be like a reveal that they're the same person? See watching it as an adult, there's no way that that is supposed to be a misdirect. But are, Do we but have the, I remember, knowledge I remember as a kid, somebody being like, 
dude, you'll never believe this. If you take Senator Palpatine's voice and play it at the same time as Darth Sidious's voice, it's the same actor. And I remember being completely blown away by that at like six years old. Wow. So I need, I was 11. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I, my brain had developed five more years to be able to be like, I know exactly what's going on. But, but it had. It had for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think there's enough in the rewatch that is hinting to the fact that this was for real. Like that this was a, I think we're supposed to know. I think most people that watch episode one are supposed to know this is the same guy. Sure. Okay. And we're supposed to be afraid for the fact that he's about to be voted chancellor. Right. Right. Because of... I don't know. It's they're playing to the same things. He's just doing too much stuff that's conniving and holding too many strings to not think that he is Sidious. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I hear that, especially with the knowledge that that is the case. It just is, is funny to me to think that potentially there was somebody who was watching. Maybe I really don't remember. Yeah. If I knew at the time. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember well enough the first time watching it to know, to confidently be able to say like, I knew. I remember telling my parents that's what it was. Huh. I knew. Really? Yeah. Do you think that was from watching four, five, and six? Or is that something that came from a viewing of this movie? Well, no, I, mean, I watched four, five, say. and six. Like yeah. we did that for sure. I have been a uh, prepare for the experience kind of person for a long time with cinema. It's like, like r- if I'm about- up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I'm about to go, unless it's like episode eight of the Harry Potter series, I'm not going to watch all seven. But yeah, probably to, five, six, seven. Exactly. Like a yeah. three before. And this is perfect because it's the old trilogy. So I'm like, yeah. Right. And they started being shelled out quick enough as I'm alive, right? <laughs> in, <laughs> in the 90s and early 2000s that I was like, okay, cool. Just the one before it and go in. Yeah. But I knew. And I told my parents after. I was like, that's the guy. That's 100% the guy. And it's kind of perfect that we got this actor who they made look super old because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that this right. guy was still and kind of looked, he looked younger without having to be CGI'd. Right. It's just because they got this dude in the seventies and eighties and really made how made old him up. was he when he was playing um, the emperor I, in Return of the Jedi? I think he's in his thirties. That's crazy. Twenties yeah. or thirties? Yeah, because he's in his sixties. He's yeah. almost seventy in the in the one two three. I think. So that would mean. It would be 30 years prior, right? So what's he 20. like 85 now? No, it, if whatever, because you think that's this him? Came out in, you think that's him in Rise of Skywalker? I do, yeah. I think I that's him. I mean, yeah, it's I him. It's, he's confirmed the cast list. This oh, came out in 99. Yeah. And if he's 55 and 99, 77. Then he's 75 right now. Jeez. So there's a thing that happens with the prequels though. And this one, I mean, we're kind of jumping around slash not really walking through the plot right now, but there's a thing that happens in, in these where like, we see R2 and it's supposed to mean something to us as an audience. Yeah. And we see 3PO and it's supposed to mean something to us. We see like the emperor and it means something. We see Yoda, it means something. We see Obi-Wan. And like this, this movie, I think really assumes that you've seen four, five, and six. Sure. Uh, and this is a hundred percent a personal preference thing. I really hate that. You hate that it assumes. I hate so, that it assumes that. So there's the two types of irony, right? Like there's the famous analogy that you learn in like intro to film school classes where there's two ways to shoot. Which you can take with Matt McConaughey at uh, UT. Which I would, apparently. I would love to 100%. do that. It'd be incredible to have that kind of opportunity. <laughs> but uh, there's two ways to shoot a scene with a bomb under a table, right? Like if the desired result of our scene is that two people are having a conversation at a table and a bomb explodes, 
then we can go two kinds. There's dramatic irony and situational irony. Dramatic irony means that we show the bomb under the table. And that's the first thing we see. And then we cut to their conversation. And so everything that they say can then take on an additional layer of meaning. Like they're like, man, my life is just exploding right now. And that means something to us as an audience, right? Because we know, oh no, they're actually about to explode. But it becomes situational irony if they're talking and suddenly a bomb explodes because their actions produce a result that is the opposite of its intended outcome. They didn't go into this diner wanting to blow up, but they did. So it's situational irony. Interesting. We go for dramatic irony in the Star Wars prequels a lot. Like there are many, many things that we, that we point to in these movies that go, oh, look, you remember this from several years ago. And that that can only be with a prequel situation. So this is, this is why this is tough to me is because by nature, a prequel is functionally carrying a lot of sequel energy. Yeah. Um, Because to me saying that episode one assumes you've seen four five and six is the same as saying watching return of the king assumes you've seen fellowship and two towers i disagree because it does not happen chronologically after i i agree with you but it's it's a similar idea to me of yes but this is the fourth in a series it's the first chronologically but it is the fourth in a series to me it seems like an inherently weaker level of storytelling and in particular in the phantom menace it really derails us from our main narrative Sure. Because we spend a whole lot of time sidetracking and showing all this 3PO stuff that we don't need. There's no reason for 3PO to be in this movie. There's no reason for R2 to be in this movie. Like we, we devote a lot of our screen time to saying, hey, remember we're Star Wars. Hey, remember we're Star Wars. Hey, remember we're Star Wars. Have you seen Solo? Have I seen what? Solo. No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't either. No. That's, this is the reason, uh, spoiler, I don't like Solo. Yeah. Because it spends 80% of its time doing that. Yeah. Instead of just telling his and that's to story. me, I think that is the the biggest. You know, there's been dialogue for 15 years now about like what went wrong with the prequels. What's the chief sin of the prequels? And I think this is one of them that we like. We don't tell our own story. Yeah, we. I can. It makes the universe very small, and yeah, we get sure a lot yeah. of connections that we don't need. Like yeah. we don't need Jabba. We don't need like one of the kids. I don't know if you know this. The Rodian kid that's friends with Anakin. That's Greedo. Like, Wait, that's really? Greedo? That's Greedo. There's a line where they say, nothing good will come of you, Greedo. Anakin, like Darth Vader and Greedo were childhood friends. We don't need that. We don't need that for this to feel like <laughs> yeah, it's Star we Wars. I didn't you know what know I mean? That. Like, that's, that's wild. Funny. Something I'll say too, and this is great. That's amazing. I, I've said plenty of times that just being on this podcast and recording, it like educates me uh, because my co-hosts know, it seems like a lot more than I do on a lot of subjects. But I specifically feel like with Star Wars, if any phenomenon of a series could just go ahead and flex and say, I don't care if you haven't seen it, how on earth have you not seen it? Yeah. It's Star Wars. Sure. If you hadn't seen the the original trilogy. Who are you? Right. There was a question asked when the three of us went in and watched Endgame. Someone was like, how many of you have not seen Infinity War? One guy raises his hand. And the world makes fun of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. You haven't seen Infinity War? Now, again, this is comparing a sequel to its prequel, not sure. a prequel right. to its sequel. Yeah. But for me, it was a similar vibe. It's like, if you haven't seen it, yes, there's going to be a lot of people in the theater going to see a Star Wars movie because this is a massive deal. And and we'll talk about later, there's way more A-list actors now <laughs> because yeah, it's got this right. momentum of being a phenomenon. And yeah. if you want to get billed, like, it's like, yeah, sure. I don't care what other options I have. Let's put this aside. I'm going to do this now. Yeah. You know, what else could Liam Neeson have been doing in 1999? Yeah, 
For real. But for 40 minutes, he decided to play Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> right. Maybe because it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. So, yeah. But I totally, I, I agree with that. I agree with that on both sides. So we've spent a lot of time sort of discussing some more abstract topics. This is really reflective of our synopsis. It is. Well, just, yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah. that, I feel like that happens in episode one of each trilogy. Absolutely. I feel like at the beginning of each trilogy, there's like taking a moment to be like, here's how this feels. There's yeah, a lot to for go the next over. three movies. But yeah. yeah, one of the things you brought it up and we're here at the beginning. Let's talk about Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah. Qui-Gon is one of the shortest lived characters <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. He is introduced and killed in the same movie, which is pretty rare for a Star Wars like main protagonist. Yeah. Um, You're going to trick me into saying this because you said the P word. My super dump is that this movie has no protagonist. Okay. Like, like a straight up protagonist. Like a straight up who is this story it's a about? Collective protagonist. 45 minutes into this movie, I paused it and looked at Jess and said, Who is this story about? And neither of us could answer. Yeah. Because it kind of feels like it's Qui Gon. But Qui-Gon doesn't learn or grow or change or do anything that a protagonist does. Qui-Gon yeah. is just in the most scenes toward the beginning. Yeah. If I'm structuring this, if I'm writing this out of nothing, I'm either writing this to be Anakin's story or writing this to be Obi-Wan's story. I don't right. like... So I think, it, I think it is... Stick with me for a second. I think it is Anakin's story. I think it should be Obi-Wan's story. And I think it is delivered as neither. I think it was intended to be Anakin's story. I think that it is that Anakin, like from a, from a structure analysis standpoint, Anakin does not fulfill any of the requirements to be marked as a protagonist. Right. If you, here's what's funny. If you want to like, if you want us to point out what's wrong with the prequels or at least with episode one, honestly, it goes on a little further than this. Yeah. If you're looking for someone who's got growth, uh, I know of a little Gungan that started as yeah. being clumsy and becomes a general at the end of this movie yep. and learns a lot and is in the last scene when everyone's all making peace. Yep. And, and you're saying this movie and might gain some political power later <laughs> yeah. on as Come we on, move it's forward. about Jar Jar, right? That's what people are really offended about probably with Jar Jar is why are we making so much of this? Okay, let's talk about Jar Jar. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably helpful to just jump straight down to Naboo because we get some Jedi powers on the Trade Federation ship. Which, we hey, get, lightsaber into a yeah. door? A door. It's so good. What did you guys think about Jedi Super Dash? Did you guys catch that when they yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, away? I definitely remember that. That's one of the things I don't like. Yeah. I, I, I believe it. I, yeah. I'm sure they're capable of it. Why does that feel so different than... And then another Jedi power. Like, there's something about that that's like, man, that's dumb. But then right. when, when Yoda lifts an X-Wing out of the swamp... I don't yeah, feel like totally that's cool. dumb. That's super I, cool. I don't know. I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's dumb. It, it falls under the Harry Potter, uh, magic has no rules. Same thing to me yeah. of like, it's, I don't think it's dumb if they can do it, but they can't <laughs> because if they could, they do it a bunch of times. Yeah. Cause we would see a ton of times where they're getting out of trouble without having to lift a finger by sprinting out at light speed. Sure. It's like if Iron Man wore the same suit in every movie of the MCU, but it had new abilities in every movie then. Right. Because with Iron Man, it makes sense because that's iterative design, right? When he makes a new right. feature in his suit, it's because something went wrong in the previous movie. Right. Rather than, Oh, he just has this power now. When, when we watch the Jedi light speed sprint out of trouble. And then later on, it's like, why are you fighting? Yeah. yeah why why are don't you, you just run away? Go away. Why don't you always run 
running away. Now, and, and if we were given a reason of like, oh, it's incredibly exhausting or, you know, after you do that, you can't use the force for a little bit because of how much effort it takes, then I can go, okay, in an intense yeah. combat situation, yeah. we don't run that fast. I mean, it feels like, and Jordan, you would know more about this because of your car corner. It feels like if I'm souping up a car, it won a race and then I put lights at the bottom that change colors. Why? There's no need for those lights. Right. Why did I do that? It has nothing to do with how fast this car goes. And everybody knows. It's flashy though. There might be some oohs and ahs like, oh, okay. Well, what a lot of people don't know about cars is um, for every additional quarter pound that you add onto the car, the top speed drops 45 miles per hour. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I go so slow when I get a number one from Whataburger. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, how much weight can this guy take? Yeah. Top speed of an empty car is uh, close to a quarter of a million. Pretty bad. What? What is the race? What is the alien race of our trade federation? Uh, oh my gosh. Nemoidian, I think. Hang on. These guys are, f- are funny. Like I, I remember the Burger King toy, I think. Yeah. Neomoidian. I was right. <laughs> of a Neomoidian of one of the main guys on his yeah. throne that has legs. Uh huh. They, Oh, it moved on its own. Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah. You just blasted me to the past. Of, yeah. of many alien races, they stand out yeah, to me. That's true. The creature design of the prequels is, by and large, very good. When we talk yeah. about the pod race in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about some wonky creature design, but overall- I think it's very good. Yeah, I well, do too. Since we're jumping around, we've got some Naboo stuff. Let's touch on Naboo for a second because we yeah. meet Jar Jar. Hey, Jar Jar is a I'm, whole case. I wish I had more history of the Naboo and Gungans, yes. why they don't like each other so yeah, much. Yeah, that's interesting. You had a great chance here. Environmental, like like ties to like the script or something. Like yeah. just tell me why they're not working together. I love it though. I remember, because I saw this in theaters at 11 years old, when we swim down, Mm-hmm. And Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan go ahead. It's different than the force dash to just kind of ha- happen to have a utility belt thing to breathe sure, underwater. Yeah. That does not bother me. I no, buy that. Not at all. Still didn't bother me to go down under and see that city. And John Williams was pretty brilliant. Oh yeah. In adding some of his, I would never say it's better than the originals, but there's some stuff in here. Dude, his prequel music is out of control. I remember good. better. Than yeah. some of the themes in the original. The Trade Federation theme, the Oda Gunga theme, which yep. is the underwater city, obviously Duel of the Fates are oh the God. standout tracks. Don't, don't get me started on Duel of the Fates good. right now. But he's going, just but going down to the Gungan City is beautiful. And honestly, a lot of the CGI for a 1999 movie was pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It's still held yeah. up here, um, but I love it. And I, I honestly, I another spicy take. I don't have. In Phantom Menace, my opinion is going to change real quick in a new movie. In Phantom Menace, I don't mind Jar Jar Binks. Whoa. Oh, disagree. Yeah, I really don't. And I don't think y'all are included in there, but I think there's a younger generation that thinks they're really cool to not like Jar Jar Binks. I think you get to be like, nah, I don't think it's y'all. I really don't. But I think, I think Jar Jar got such a bad rap. I feel like the culture of social media has influenced more people's opinion on Jar Jar Binks than the movie. I really I do. agree with that. I think it became cool to not like Jar Jar Binks. I agree with that. I have been out on Jar Jar I feel you. since the beginning. I'm not saying there's no reason. When I was yeah, a kid really and I thought Phantom Jar Jar. Menace was perfect, I still did not like yeah. Jar Jar Binks. I mean, I thought Jar Jar was pretty great when I was like six. I did not. Really? Re- really genuinely. And not in like a, I was probably smarter than most other six-year-old. Yeah. Like, it was just like, to me, Jar Jar is just like so 
out of left field. Yeah, there's no place for it's like if Shaggy from Scooby Doo was a character in Star Wars. I thought you were gonna say it's like if Shaquille O'Neal no, 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 Shaq was, was in Star no, no, no. Wars. No, there's yeah. there's no place equivalent for, though. Yeah, it's it's again we've talked about things too before that were kind of silly about the originals. Sure, and how George Lucas wanted it to be basically for kids. Sure, Jar Jar feels yeah. super for kids. Oh, it's yeah. all I could think about watching it. Yeah, but yeah, I get it. I get it. But I just don't really have a problem with them. Because in of Jar Jar and the Gungans, we get the scene going through the trench. Yeah. The planet core. The planet core. Right. And we get Love to see Boss the Nass, big scary the fish. Gooba fish. And it scared me so bad as a yeah, kid. Yeah, that scared me a lot. Underwater a is a big and scary I lo- for me. Okay. We've ta- yeah. I think we've talked about my underwater thing that I have. Yeah. The biggest scary oh, yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah. But this scene is so cool. And the fish are terrifying like this is some lovecraftian yeah. stuff the going creature on design is so good yeah it really is yeah. who did that i don't know because it's not, sure. not george no 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 even in the originals it wasn't george it was it was concept painter called ralph mccrory i don't think that he did very much work on the prequels i think it was a uh like an ilm effects team that did a lot of the creature design. I, right. love, I, I do i do not know a lot about animals Right. I, there's no veterinary side. Me. I, but there's something about, you can tell when a design to a fictional standpoint makes sense. Right. It's like, Oh, I bet, you know, we talked about the, uh, Oliphants yeah. in Lord of the Rings. It's like, that's unrealistic. Cause as a mammal, it could not, it would, yeah, it would basically it, be a it would, furnace. It would, it would cook, cook itself, itself to, to like, yeah. yeah, pump all the blood through that massive elephant. But for these, for some reason, I'm like, I, I yeah, bring it, it on. It I, of course, I'm ignorant to it, but even for sure. Because like, hey, the yeah. ocean's probably super cold down there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. maybe their blood is lava. Hey. Did you think that's, about that? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Did you think about that for a second? That's somebody a did. I guarantee I somebody. did right now. And there's a lot to talk about. We get to Naboo and we run off with uh, the queen in order to protect her with some of her loyal servants and we end up on Tatooine, a planet that we're incredibly familiar with by this Tatooine's point. And always go back to, right? You that's got that's to home go back in the Star to Wars. Tatooine. I love Tatooine. We haven't been there yet in the sequels. Yeah, we have. Nope. Jakku. It's ja- it's not Tatooine where Ray is at the beginning. No, it's nope. Jakku. Just wait till the next one. It's all, yeah, always Jakku. It's going to be there. So we got to talk about Tatooine, which is of course going to lead us to pod racing, which makes this a podcast about pod racing, <laughs> which is a terrible joke and a terrible segue because it's now time to take a quick break so we can go pit stop like pod like pod raising sure yeah first shout announcements welcome to shout announcements it's Whoa. the part of the show awesome. where we give shout outs and make announcements some zip to that first word if you're wondering who our fourth co-host is it's a dog. It's, it's Nana. Carter's dog, Nana. That dog is Nana, and she is, and I can't stress this enough, the sweetest thing on this planet. She is. She reminds me of the Ottoman in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Dude, very much. Dude, I'm not even very kidding. Very much. I'm not even kidding. Holy moly. Hey, no trouble. Just here for fun. Yeah. Here and to take just, care of you and love on you. Uh, so she's over by Carter and Doge right now and they're petting on her and I'm happy for her. Let's always And I want to kill them. I want to kill both of them yeah. because she's over by them and not me. She was by me for a minute and now she's gone to she'll them. Come, she'll come. And her sweet, sweet face. Oh, she looked. <gasps> she, she looked like she might think about coming my way and I'm yeah. pretty sure. So she's our first shout out. Who's our next one? So our biggest shout out, of course, is going to go to Nana. Big shout out to Nana. <laughs> but after that, it's going to be a shout out 
Yeah, you said it. That was I some nano sound. I hope you heard it. The next shout out is going to be to Crumb and Kettle. Thank Always. you for your coffee, even though we're not in your location. We haven't had it for about a month now. Yeah, we miss but you. But I want it. And uh, It's our fault, not yours. I also want to give a shout out. Normally we shout out Tyler Station, but now I guess I'm going to shout out Carter Station because we're in his home. Thank you, we Carter. Are. It's been nice. For your home. You're welcome. I'm not even kidding. I was going to do that right now. Well, I was going to say shout out to Carter and Chelsea for hosting us tonight. For ordering us tacos, even though we paid you for Yo, them. Yo, shout out to Trompo if we want to. Oh, big shout out, shout out, out to, to Trompo for the everything. delicious I was tacos. gonna do all that, but now I can't. Pretty bummed I didn't get any elote, dude. It was sold out, evidently. That's a huge bummer. I was, I had just forgotten about it. So that's, okay. that's a big bummer. Yeah. I also want to give a final shout out to Podbean.com because we pay them money and then we put, put stuff, stuff on them. On. That stuff. It's, it's mostly our podcast. Mostly our podcast. That's podbean.com. I'd like to give a shout out to Story Shaped Life. I can't tell you how excited I am about this relationship, uh, this little podcast relationship. They are going to have uh, a great season ahead. They're almost done recording that, uh, and it should be going live pretty soon within the next couple of weeks. But they're going to be talking about this was the same group. If you wanted to go catch up, listen to season one of Story Shaped Life. Uh, and they're talking about the Enneagram on that. This uh, season, they're going to be talking about emotions. And we have paired up with them. Yeah. Each of us uh, brought three emotions and then movie clips attached those emotions to the table. It's true. Um, we've got a, I got to use my favorite movie of all time, Sounds of the Lambs, for fear appropriately. Ooh, among many good. of them. Um, but it's impressive. They've got a lot of good content over there. And I, I highly recommend doing that. And then also, I recommend rating and reviewing the podcast. Yes, um, please. Please continue to do so. Uh, we have found out recently that the uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we've been wanting to be Rotten Tomatoes critics for a long time. And we're going to be true. real vulnerable today and share this with you. I did not know this. I'm going to just chalk it up to being a completely new thing. It shattered my universe. Yeah. So the time to apply to become Rotten Tomatoes critics is September 1st through the 31st and May 1st. No, March. <laughs> March. March. <sighs> That we makes me feel missed better. it. March 1st through the 31st. So it was impossible for us on our two year birthday, which was the last box we needed to check yeah. to be able to apply. But here's the great thing, Chunkies. Tell us. I would love to go in with, with a just, million with reviews. Barely 200. We've got a lot more time now for our million reviews. Yeah. And if 1 million reviews doesn't feel like to you as a human possible, Let's give you as a human a goal of 300 reviews. Yeah, let's see if we can get to 300. Honestly, I know that the fan base is capable. Even of the 208 that have already reviewed, I know they can't do that again. If you can find a way to do it, I'm not going to be mad at you. But if you can, <laughs> like we've had several people before, like we've had people like tell people in their class about it. A couple true. teachers that listen to the podcast, obviously your friends, uh, please spread the word. Let's try yeah. to get 300 by March. And I promise you, Come, I mean, March 1st is going to be like Christmas morning for us. Yeah. I can tell you right now, there's probably going to be something planned for us to be there, get that application in, because we're not going to miss this opportunity again. Um, it's something that we really want and think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you're a dog or you know a local dog, just send them my way because I'm trying to touch them. And uh, beyond that, <laughs> I guess, uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't really listening to most of what you guys were saying during shout announcements because I- You know she's the right under you, right? I, I have like, been petting feet. her pretty frequently throughout shout announcements. At one point, my Love head that. was basically under the table <laughs> and I was your, not listening to you. If you take your shoes off, you could scratch your ears with your toes. Oh. I hear you. My shoes are high tops. 
and it's going to take me a minute. Sounds like you don't love dogs very much. There's just like a random time, 10 minutes from now, he just kind of starts grunting. You, can, <laughs> you know he's taking the high tops off. He's just, ooh, get the, hey. Think ooh, what I like yeah. about the final hey, battle. If, if you just hear me going, I gotta get the top, please. <laughs> oh, that top, please. Gotta get, 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 get that, that. It's just too tight. Oh, 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 there's the dog. That's what it's going to sound like. So just listen for that, I guess. I hate how this ended up going. I think it's time. Let's to pack it. our bags, leave our home of tattooing forever, and head on back to the show. And we're back, and we are live from the Boonta Eve Classic. <laughs> hey, we're at tattooing. Can we talk about it? Yeah, please. So we run off as a group. We got some people. We got some other people. <laughs> Two separate groups. Yep. We're trying to buy some parts to fix our ship from Watto. We want to talk about Watto. I mean, I love Watto. You know how I feel about Watto. Tell me how you feel about Watto. Uh, As Watto. I feel like he's so different from the other character. <laughs> no, I, uh, he is. So I'm, I, I like way more than I like a force dash. I like that there are species that are not affected by certain force. I powers, love this. And it's only yeah, affected by money. I like it. Well, yeah. You said interesting. That means you yeah. don't like it. No, no, no. I do think it's okay, interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but Watto was good. He is uh, a CGI element that seems to hold up. Um, that wasn't completely transformed when we see him again in another episode. Like, uh, yeah. when can we talk about Yoda? Do we want to wait till Coruscant? For Let's that? wait till Coruscant. Wait till okay. Yoda. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I really like that. I don't know. The slavery thing was interesting, but I think that's just, I guess it's assumed that it's just going to be a part of this galaxy. Yeah. It feels like, they didn't do anything after that. Right. Like, I feel like the only time that we played, I'm not going to say playing a slave card because that seems really inconsiderate, but like the only time that we use kind of a narrative slavery vibe, it feels like in any of the movies is Phantom Menace. So we get a little bit in episode three when he goes back to when he goes back to try and oh, save his it's mom two when two. he goes back. So here's the deal. If we're going to set up Anakin's fall to the dark side, like he has to, if we're going operatic in tone, he has to have some sort of, he has to exhibit Aristotelian virtue, which just means virtue espoused by his society as the greatest virtue. Think of Thor in like classic Viking mythology of like yeah. a, a hard drinking, hard hitting boy. Think about when we talked about Hercules, how Hercules sucks as a modern hero, but he represents the things that that society esteems. So yeah. Anakin needs to represent something that the society esteems, which in this case would be probably like freedom and order. So Anakin's big point of conflict, right? Should be, Hey, let me go to Tatooine and free all those slaves. And the Jedi keeps saying, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. So Anakin says, fine, I'm done with the Jedi. We need to be able to act without oversight because like in Age of Ultron, the safest hands are our own. If we could just control everything, we could save everybody. Right. And that's the empire. But we don't do that. That's the way that you incorporate slavery into this narrative. And it just, it doesn't really land or work. Yeah, I, so my super dump has a ripple effect. Um, It was jarring to see the movie poster, which I... I Referenced, I think, last week. The reason that as an 11-year-old, I got to have this Star Wars, like a, a new generation of Star yeah, Wars vibe right. that was felt special to me. And I'm, I'm one of the reasons also I'm excited that I feel like Disney will continue to make Star Wars movies until I die is I think it's fun 
for a generation to have the their their ownership of of a series. Their Star sure, Wars, yeah. right? Their Star Wars. It's a great way to put it. Um, it was jarring because I had this little boy I knew nothing about, and Jar- he has jarring. the shadow. He has the shadow of Vader, right? That was jarring to me. I was like, yeah. oh. Because they give us an element in Return of the Jedi that Vader, I mean, he, he's a good guy, ultimately. He's right. like, yeah. he's not an anti-hero. He's like, there's some, there's, is there a different- Should be a tragic fall. Tragic right? fall. Like, like, should be Shakespearean in tone. Of yeah. Like, or, or for a modern example, it should be Breaking Bad, where it's like, man, we want to root for you, but you're just going about this the wrong way. Yeah. My super dump is that this should have been, like, this was your structure for the prequel. Yeah. If you're going to say from the beginning, it's how Anakin turns to Vader. Boy, you should be way more thoughtful with that transition. And I think Phantom Menace was a waste of time for yeah. the transition from Anakin to 100% Vader. hundred percent Outside agree. of just saying like, man, it's going to be a bummer when this cute kid kills a lot of people. Like, <laughs> right. They don't give us yeah, any yeah. growth there. And there was our protagonist. Like that, yep. that falls into kind of what Doge super dumped. Yeah, this, so, so, so that's why I'm saying this either needs to be Obi-Wan's story where Obi-Wan is is trying to trying to himself out of his own virtue make up for the lack of virtue in Anakin. It needs yeah. to be a story of the failure of a mentor, which lately Disney seems real keen on turning Star Wars into. Or it needs to be an inverse of Luke's story, a kid who comes from nothing and despite his best efforts cannot make something good of himself. So I guess I'm glad you brought this up, but so my, my super dump for this movie is the overall uh, irrelevance of it, which I guess is kind of what you're saying yeah. as well. Um, so I, and by that, I mean like I, I love you and McGregor. We haven't really talked about him yet. Oh, I love you McGregor. He does a great job because he's acting like uh, he's basically taking the accent yeah. of uh, Alan like Guinness. He's just from top to bottom. So good always. And he's great. And we get you in and we get um, some, some, what I think is interesting backstory on uh, Palpatine. And we yeah, get some, it's super interesting. We get some really cool stuff. But if this is, if we're insisting on this being Anakin's story, which it seems like we are, um, that starts in uh, chapter two, attack of the clones. It really like, does. Like it absolutely this does. This is all, this is all stuff that could have been easily handled in a Anakin. We didn't free you from slavery just so you could go squander this. Make sure you take your freedom seriously. And boom, now we understand everything yeah. this movie told us about Anakin. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily completely ruin this movie for me, but it, it is, it does seem irrelevant to yeah. the remainder of the story we have to tell in only two more movies. Yeah. Right. It feels like a big waste when you only get, like we knew we were only going to get three movies. We we're going to get six, seven hours to tell this story. Right. And we spend the first two and a half of them on this. Now I am of the opinion that the prequels would have been better served deciding early on that Obi-Wan was their main character and following him. In which case, if we had expanded on some stuff, this could have been a really interesting story to tell. So I think Qui-Gon shouldn't have been in this at all. I love Liam Neeson. We don't need Qui-Gon. That should be Obi-Wan. So I I think that Obi-Wan should fulfill the role of Qui-Gon for Anakin in this movie. He should be the one forming the relationship with him. But I do love the idea of seeing Obi-Wan's master and watching him lose him. Obi-Wan's master needs to die in the first 20 minutes. Sure. Yeah. No, that I I think I can agree with that. Even like the script doesn't even have to change. Whenever Anakin says nothing can kill a Jedi, Qui-Gon goes, I wish that were true. Imagine if that was Obi-Wan saying that. And we saw Qui-Gon die die. in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah. That's a good point. That's so impactful. One of the things that Qui-Gon does, and he might not have been able to do in 20 minutes is I did like seeing 
a, yes, we get it a little bit with Yoda, but you, there is not a cookie cutter Jedi. Like there, yeah. he, he feels like a Jedi from Austin, Texas. Like right. he, is, <laughs> he is a hippie. Like, yeah. Like Qui-Gon, I love when we get to, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to get us to a point to where we're probably going to have this onslaught of like super pump. Right. Uh, right. But in the final battle, when we've got everybody separated and Qui-Gon simply chooses to like meditate, and yeah, he is yeah, very yeah. much Maybe about, let's hold on. Maybe let's hold on. I know, on but he's bit. very yeah. much about like one with the, with the environment. And we haven't heard about that. He is who introduces us to many chlorians. I don't know anyone's opinion on that on this podcast. I don't, I and just the force being yeah. an entity. And he's the one who's trying to try, like right. carry on. That's good. He's trying to be the vessel for this whole like virgin birth. Like the force brought right. this about. And Qui-Gon yeah. felt kind of appropriate for that in the, in the amount of time that we got to know him in terms of feeling like this, like Trelawney. Yeah, absolutely. Kind so, of character in the, in the universe. We're not skipping pod racing. We're about to come back to it. But um, since you brought up midi chlorians, I know they're hotly contested. My, Honest only problem with them is that we never really return to the The concept. only the only return we get is later during the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise when Sidious says he could even influence the midichlorians to create life. Yeah, I think for me it felt like midichlorians, even early on when I saw this movie, their only purpose was to say, man, Vader's a pretty powerful dude. Right. Like it's, exactly. it's, they're only there it's to say a, more than even over 9,000. But that's yeah. the thing. We right. don't need that. Like in, instead of the virgin birth force Messiah, whatever the heck is happening with that element. Imagine if this is a kid that Watto just found and like he can do stuff. Like he right. can see things before they happen. It's a Jedi trait, like all of that stuff. Then we get some kind of indication of Anakin is powerful. Anakin is this mysterious force and we don't know where he came from. Sure. And we don't have to like shoehorn mom into the story. We don't have to have the virgin birth. We don't have to quantize the power of the force based on how many microorganisms live in your cells. It helps raise arc, you know, 20 years later. Exactly. And it can, it can help make sense of a broom boy. Yeah, exactly. 20 years. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think I hear what you're saying completely. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, of, sloppiness. Sure. Even Shmi can still be in it. Like she's not his biological mom, but she's raised him because they just found him like sure. outside their slave compound. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she adopted him. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Yeah. And we can infer he's special when he wins a pod race. So pod race. Speaking of, when he wins a pod race. He won a pod race at eight years old. I mean, how old is this kid? 11? I Eight. don't know. He's nine in this movie she's because uh, Padme's you know who this attack kid of the clones is? You know who, 10 years later, he's 19. You know who this kid is? Yeah. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Yeah. But uh, specking of podrassing, <laughs> uh, I'd love to talk about that. Boy, this is so much longer than I remembered it being. Same. Which Dude, I'm cool with. Hey, can I hit you with something crazy? Love this. That's not crazy. It's very fun. I hate the creature design of, in particular, Ben Quadraneros. Is he the guy with the big face? Uh-huh. It looks like a pumpkin seed. Yeah, and that's not I, great. Also, <laughs> he's not great. Really, Quadraneros really. has the quad. Uh-huh. Engines. Exactly. Oh, great boo. Uh, <laughs> I also really, really hate the design of the announcer with the two heads. The Ooh, one yeah. the one Ooh, speaking basic ah. and the one speaking Hatties. Yeah. I really don't the like that guy. The one speaking basic is one of the cast, one of the regular cast members of Whose Line Is It? Anyway, shut the guy with absolutely glasses. That's up. the most 1999 the guy with glasses thing. and like black like spiky hair. hair. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah. Totally him. When I don't know again, why, why that alien to me feels like it's just like 
Man, that doesn't exist no, in Star Wars. Right. Very American. Dude. Yeah. But Sebulba? Sebulba's great, great design. design. Is so great. Yeah. And this pod race spawned one of my favorite video games ever. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. I'm so Star bad Wars at it. Racer. Um, it's so interesting how much I remember the sound of Sebulba's engine. Yep. Yeah. That blah, 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 blah. Like that massive, like <laughs> yeah. this, I, I don't know Sorry, why. Carter, we didn't get me. that in the recording. Yeah. It's kind of like a blah, 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 yeah, blah, 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 like, you know, what's funny is like, it makes sense because it's Tatooine, but you're talking about like, this is just so much of a, they're, they're assuming you've seen the old ones kind of vibe. It's like, yeah. Do we need the Tuscan Raiders right now? Yeah. They just kind of show up and shoot some. That, that part was literally just like, Hey, um, Hey, you remember these guys? You guys remember when the Tuscan Tuscan Raiders, Raiders feel like they, it feels like they knew they were going to make the pod racing video game. They're like, we need an enemy at this turn on the track. You know what I mean? There's not a reason yeah. for them to be there. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I they're mean, on tattooing to what yeah, are but, we really, to what point do we get offended by movies that do fan service? Yeah. It's, it, it's a hard, we are, because we are treading a, I mean, our because, podcast gushed and gushed over Endgame, and there was so much fan service. Cause in that the movie. entire right. point of fan service is to make us happy. Right. It is to it is to kind of circumvent or maybe take a step outside of what would be a normal plot point and, yeah. and just say, let's have fun and live Honestly, this out again. I'm not bothered by the Tuscan Rangers being I'm there. not it's on tattooing and it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. They're I, just con- conniving. No, if me, it was like, like I if think, it was like Wedge Junior or Wedge Senior is or Dorito. one of the Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. weird. I, had, See, I did think, not know that till just I now. think there's a way to work them in that feels like maybe it's not their presence that bothers me but it's the fact that i know they're there because we went into this without a real clear like here's the plan and this is a good plan like they're here as a symptom of the mess that is this movie yeah so i'm i'm more upset at the symptom when i should probably focus that disappointment at the root cause of that if that makes sense yeah Yeah. hey do you guys remember when george lucas thought that kids would uh say things like that's so wizard annie that's so wizard annie that's pretty crazy Hey, I'm down, man. <laughs> so obviously Anakin wins. And then oh, we didn't even talk about Anakin building three PO. He built three PO. Why? Um, I don't know. Hey, this is another Why? example. Uh, I'm not bothered by it. Is there ever a point when Vader references knowing who three? No, no, literally never. Hmm. No. And three PO's mind is wiped after episode three. It's like we got three episodes in and then realized, oh crap, we messed up by having 3PO and R2-D2 in these movies. Let's wipe 3PO's mind and then forget about the fact that Ben Kenobi says he doesn't recall R2-D2. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be in these movies. Like I get that they're like the kind of the first characters we meet in episode four. That's fine. Let them be in original. They they don't need to be in these. And honestly, we don't need them in the sequels. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear champ. It's coming, it's coming through the radio waves and through the, the airwaves. There's a cognitive dissonance happening inside my head where I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, still want them in these movies though. Big time. Definitely. Yeah. still want to see it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know what it's, things like that do? It, it reveals that, Hey, movie making's a business. Yes. This cost yeah, 115 million and made more than a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And I bet having I R2D2 it. and having a Tuscan Raider and C3PO, Maybe had helped a rewatch. Maybe at yeah. least. Yeah. And I bet George 000. Lucas is real bummed about our opinion sitting yeah. on his <laughs> billions of dollars. 
Yes. Four, four billion dollars to buy Star Wars from him. Yeah. Yeah. That feels about right. That's wow. a deal. So the yeah. other, th- that is a steal big <laughs> yeah. time. So the other thing that happens on Tatooine is we get our first interaction of our heroes with Darth Maul. Darth Maul. AKA yes. the biggest missed opportunity of the entire prequel franchise. I'm not going to talk about anything that happens in Clone Wars because I, as your friend, as your pod friend, I highly encourage you, please watch every episode yeah, yeah. of the Clone Wars on Disney Plus this fall. Yeah. But, but he, in he the movies, been so much Maul more. is such a huge missed opportunity. He is so cool. This is the dude that's Toad in the X-Men movies. Correct. Yeah. And Ray this, Park. So this, yeah. Ray Park loved being Darth Maul. Man, he was incredible. Darth Maul is my super pump. Okay, cool. For this movie. Yeah. 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 This, to me, like, for my money, this scene uh, here in the desert of Tatooine and then later on in the hangar in, in Theed, this is the best lightsaber choreography in all of Star Wars. And it's yeah. him, right? It's this guy. Oh, it's amazing. Big time. He still it, does. So you can find, it's really fun. He, he'll still go to like cons and yeah. bust out like a double staff and do this stuff. And he's you like all about it. You know, what's so fun. It's like, and again, this does not count because uh, we can talk more about it later. But one of the reasons that I probably collectively like Lord of the Rings more than Star Wars is because the world was built before we got the movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah uh, of course. But the fact that Vigo Mortensen was the sword fight, like Vigo, yeah. Vigo's Aragorn is what could have, it's like what I wish would have happened with Maul. Like just give me yeah. more story because they have a similar right. start. It's like Vigo gets cast because he's teaching people how to sword fight. And they're like, Hey, you would make a great Aragorn. Yeah. Dead gummit, man. For you real. It. Every, everyone listening, please watch Clone Wars. It's worth it just for Maul alone. It's yeah. so good. And it, it does a lot with his character. Yeah. So Clone, Clone Wars to me helps rectify it. Clone Wars has been really instrumental for me in changing my view of the prequels and making me look on them a little more favorably. Yeah. So if you're somebody who loves Star Wars and has a kind of a hard time with some of the elements of the prequels, please watch the Clone Wars. So after our first interaction with uh, Darth Maul, honestly, and I'm not saying this to brush past it. It's just the way that this pans out is like a bunch of stuff happens. Like genuinely. Yeah. Like things go crazy. Uh, Padme is the queen. Kira Knightley is the queen stand in. Uh, by the way, Sophia Coppola is another one of the, is she uh, really as in, as in the daughter Francis of Ford, the director, Francis, Sophia Coppola, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's daughter yeah. is also one of them. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Huh? Yeah. That's very interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Which is kind of cool. Oh, it's super cool. So is Frankie Ford part of that Brat Pack with like Lucas and Spielberg? Is that how he knows him or is he older than that? I don't know. He feels older than that. He does. I think he is older than that. So we get to Coruscant, uh, checking some stuff out in the Senate. One of my favorite planets. I love Coruscant. The idea of an entire planet that's just like, hey, it's all city. It feels like each trilogy, right? We've got three of them. Is, is trying to like flex in different areas and be like, here's a new droid. Here's a new spaceship. Here's a new planet. The prequels do a pretty good job. I really like Naboo. The world building I love the prequels Naboo. is very, very I good. I love Naboo. I yeah. love Coruscant, especially in-, in, in We're going to get a couple one. other really cool planets in this. For sure. Especially in the next one. Yes. So um, on Coruscant, we get the Jedi Council and they're like, hey, Anakin, nah, we're good. Hey man, here's the thing. Why? Samuel L. always stood out to me. Why is he so yeah. good always? He's good always, but I'm just saying like I was, so I, you gave me, you and McGregor was not well known. Sure. Super well known in 1999. Yes. 
Liam Neeson for sure. But he's in the guise of, of Qui-Gon. Like he doesn't look like he's ever looked in any movie, but then I was like, Oh, I, it's Sam. It's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. He does not have makeup on. Right. Like it's Samuel L. Jackson. Just and he just him. got out of the shower. Yeah. And he's sitting cross-legged <laughs> right. by Yoda. And I was just like, what? Where are we? Why? Here's the thing. Mace Windu is a cool character. Why is it Sam Jackson? And I don't know if you guys know this. What one question, billion dollar what, movie? What, what yeah. question are you asking though? What do you, do you, do you mean like why cast him? Yeah, exactly. Like what, he's awesome. What does he do? But that's the thing. Like how is he right for this role? I don't know. Cause he's awesome. What's tough yeah. about asking that question is like, now I have to ask how is anybody right? For right. Certain roles? I, I sure. feel like that's a yeah. tough question to answer. Cause it's like Sam Jackson's awesome. They want I, to make, I guess what I'm awesome. saying is I have a really hard time not seeing Samuel L. Jackson dressed up like a Jedi for Halloween. Oh, for, no, that's for sure. That's the point yeah. I'm making too is like, sure. Did he just, but here's the thing. Like he's a, he was. His lightsaber is purple, by the way, because George, like in the official art book for episode one, Windu has a blue lightsaber. And then whenever he ignites it on screen in Attack of the Clones, he told George, hey, it's got to be purple. And George was like, that's not really an option. And Sam Jackson was like, well, it's purple. And so Sam Jackson has a purple lightsaber. Yeah, because he's, he had been an A-list actor two decades ago. Yeah. Like he. This happens. It's a business. Like I hate sometimes to have to take a step outside and be like, it's a business. And and we were just talking about last week about how, man, uh, we weren't huge fans of the Joker. It's going to make a billion dollars because movies are doing really well right now. Right. And they have been for a long time. And Samuel L. No one's made more money than Samuel L. Jackson. You just kind of go with whatever he says. Yeah. And that's yeah. crazy. And I hate that that changes design yeah. sometimes. My, my thing. For, so I want to make prosthetics, put him in prosthetics for the first time sure, in his life. Yeah. If make we're going to kind of weird alien. If we're going to change anything, that's not going to bother me. It's lightsaber colors. Throw as many of them at that's me fine. as you can. I want them all. Sure. Which I'm fine with. Give if me a peppermint the from the beginning. Sure. Right. Like, I, my, my whole What's thing tough? is like, I love an auteur vision, something like Peter Jackson had for the Lord of the Rings, the first trilogy where he went in and he's like, I know exactly what this is going to be. And it's going to be exactly this. And it might not seem like what you want right now, but just trust me, it's all going to work together better. Yeah. If it is exactly this, I just don't don't think that's this though. I don't think it's ever been this. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I think star Wars is at its best when it is that, but when When it was it that that's the thing. Like, so when was it at its best? So what I'm at, I hear you in like, like in my soul at my core, I'm like, yeah, dude, star Wars is at its best when it's a cohesive, beautiful vision of what this story should be. And then when I step outside, I'm like, that's never happened. And that's the thing. It's kind of, it feels like it stopped being that after empire a little bit. And we talked yeah. about that in well, last week's Return of the Jedi episode. Yeah, right. we said too when Yoda says there's another, we're like, did they even know? Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like. And so maybe that's the thing that we talked about earlier of the two sides of my brain fighting, of the nostalgia yep. side yep. that wants to be like, dude, you right. loved Star Wars. Like you loved playing all the games. You loved reading all the books. I checked out and read every single Star Wars book in my school library every single year of middle school and high school. Right. Very like, yeah. There's that part of my brain and there's a part of my brain that's like, but you also love Tolkien and you love things that are expertly crafted and that show right. like really But I think there's room to love two different things. And I, oh, th- right. I think that the time to get mad at Star Wars is when you try to apply a Tolkien filter to Star Wars and go, it's not that, but it was never that. Sure. It's never been that. Even right. Empire's not that. Right. And, and I think that when you look at Star Wars and you go, but Star Wars is fantasy. 
even Lord of the Rings is quote unquote fantasy, but it's not the story. So grounded in realism and personal like struggle and triumph. I mean, it's, it's a low, it's a lower fantasy than right. Star Wars is. Star Wars is much higher fantasy. Star Wars is high fantasy in space. And when we apply that filter and we go, it's fantastical and it's crazy and it's out there. I think it, for me at least, I'll, I'll just speak solo here. Not on. Yeah. It is it is so much easier to be forgiving of the things that I view as frustrating and zone in. On. I, I was expecting this series to go way differently for me. I was expecting to, by the time we got to phantom to be like, I'm honestly already done with not the star Wars series, but just like, I'm so frustrated. And yeah. like, I'm, I've been more excited to watch every movie and yeah. watching phantom. I, w- I was expecting to hate this movie and to be like, God has forsaken us. They screwed us over. <laughs> I finished this movie and I was like, I'm ready. Let's move on to the next yeah. one. I'm so pumped about this. Yeah. And it's, I think what is so unique about star Wars and the fact that it didn't really have the structure of Tolkien. Right. I, I just happened to be someone. And again, love what you love. Carter just happened to be someone who loves the professor from Oxford. That was a linguist that wrote entire history and languages and then made a world. Yeah. Right. With no intent of these ever being movies. But then there's also a part of me that is like, Star Wars in a nutshell is like every other in a per- interpersonal relationship with anyone that I love. It does things that I never predicted, but I am here for the whole thing. It's yeah, like right. the people in my life that I love the most, like my wife, I'm not saying Star Wars is Chelsea, right? But I'm saying like- I'm hearing you say that you love Star Wars more. Right? No, not at all. <laughs> um, but like it, it's doing these things that I didn't expect, but that's because I didn't write its story. Sure. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't decide what Jordan becomes or what Doge or Adam become. And they start doing some things that I didn't expect. I still love them, but I was like, mm, I don't really like that part of you. But then later on it fleshes out into something else. It's like, well, you know what? If we didn't have that before, I wouldn't appreciate this now. It's, it becomes this thing that it's a relationship. Star right. Wars as, yeah. as a whole is so unique that it's, you know what else is like it though? Fast and furious. Like sure. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Right. But can anyone agree? I don't no, want to I feel hear crazy. You. No, I hear like you. It's these things that the culture gets to create. You get sucked in a little the bit. The $1 billion that was made in Phantom Menace didn't sit down and write Attack of the Clones. Sure. With yeah. the people that wrote it. They influenced the heck out of it. Sure. You know? Well, and, and I, yeah. I think that there's, so what I'm not doing and what I have no intention of doing is pointing a finger at Doge and saying, you just need to love Star Wars differently. Cause I, <laughs> no. I know you, I think I, there's an element of like, you said, these are the rules. So these have to be the rules. Absolutely. And you know how yeah. I am about rules and movies. Love them. I genuinely do. I'm not being sarcastic. And it's I, and like I know they didn't have the time. They had 22 years right. to think about the rules. Right. And, and you got to believe me when I say there is nobody on this planet whose star Wars love I question less than yours. I know you love star Wars, but I'm talking specifically about myself. I am finding myself with every passing week, more excited to rewatch the last Jedi. Me too. Because I find myself opening my mind up more to the prequels, opening my mind up more to what things are doing and maybe even learning lessons from fast and furious where it's like, stop putting these expectations on every movie to be this unending unapologetic epic that's just written exactly for you and just love something that is fun and set in space with laser swords and mystic wizards that are jumping around and doing cool things and it looks pretty and it sounds great i hear that but then there's also the part of me that loves literary criticism i hear you loves story structure loves things like like i've been reading uh christopher vogler's the writer's journey it's about how to apply the hero's journey to modern storytelling right and like it uses star wars 
Wars is a, a huge example in that book. And so I love stuff like that. Right. And trying to figure out how to reconcile that with Star yeah. Wars, I think has been the biggest thing for this series so far with me sure. is understanding like, hey, Star Wars is not ever going to be what you imagine that it is. And that's okay. Well, and so, I think that's what I talked about yeah. in episode four or five when we were talking about it of like, in my head, Star Wars is way more serious and way more epic. And I use that word literally like way more epic than it actually is. Like yeah. when it, when I watch it, it's sillier and it's goofier and it's smaller scale and it's not quite as like wide spanning. And I think that's why I'm having to sort of relearn how to enjoy Star Wars again, rather than just go, it's, weird, it's not right? what I want it, it to be. It feels like a tension to manage, right? Yeah, like right. of, of like, I want to engage with this critically, but I also don't want to overanalyze it to the point where I suck all the fun out of it. Yeah. Right. And, and, sure, I, and I still want to enjoy it. And, and I hope that we can, and maybe opinions change as we keep going, but I want, I want to like everyone more than the last. Yeah. Me and too. it's not, it's not going to happen, but I want to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, let's jump to Naboo at the end so we can wrap up this. So, oh yeah, we're talking about a movie. Right. And <laughs> I'd like to do this by breaking us up into groups. And the first group I would like <laughs> to like knock a project. out. Right. Cool. I'll take something. Carter will take something else to take the rest. Sure. Yeah, let's all group. together though, instead take the Gungans versus the droids. Let's do it. Doge, you look like you have something to say. I just don't like this at all. It's okay. so boring It's a to me. hard pass from Doge. I love it. It's a soft pass from Jordan and it's, it's a no pass. It's an A plus. It's, it's a, a yes. It's a, it's a yes. It's a super it's a pump it from Carter. It and squeeze it. It's your super pump? No. <laughs> It's not my super pump. Okay. But this was, I mean, we didn't have outside of the night, uh, kind of shoddy, uh, doing great for a late, late seventies, early eighties series, like space battles, which I, again, when I watch those, they still impress me, but like, we didn't really have a massive yeah. land battle sure. until now. And so this made star Wars bigger to me. Hey, have yeah. we had a land battle since? Has there been another land battle? Oh, I mean, there's I a big one in Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah, yeah the arena. That's, That's true. Yeah. That's well, right. no, and even past the arena, when Yoda is in the thing with the troopers coming out, yeah. and there's like the rolling. Oh, there's yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah, land yeah. battle and, and stuff. Uh, That's right. Uh, Rogue One kind of has, well. has a land, land battle. Land battle. Land battle. Yeah. We, Which there's makes, a lot of land battles, guys. I was going to say, there's that. a bunch <laughs> of land battles. So, Hoth is kind of, but we don't have the sweeping, like, let me tell you what I don't like about it. Because I'm not overly offended by it. I don't like the blue bouncing ball weapons. Uh, there's no origin. We don't get an, we don't get a, a reason as to why they exist or, it just or feels what they out are. of place to me. So there's a, a popular way of dissecting these movies and it follows the, the ring theory method of story structure where uh, Lucas is quoted as saying it's like poetry. It rhymes, right? That's one of his famous quotes about the prequels. And so the, the saying is that it rhymes, not only ABC, ABC, but it's also palindromic. So like not only does episode one rhyme with episode four, but episode one rhymes with episode six because it's a ring. And then the middle chapters rhyme. And then the first and last chapters rhyme. And so the, the point, the thing to point to in this is the nature versus technology of the guns versus the droids and also Ewoks versus stormtroopers. Personally, if you want my opinion on the ring theory of Star Wars story structure, I think people are seeing connections that are just so too. not there. It's not there. a real thing, but hey, thought we ought to bring that up. No, that's fair. I, I agree with you. The next group I want to talk about is Anakin and the pilots We're in space. We just talked about how I love that. We're just done with it. Tell us more about this I mean, great fight. 
I don't, I, it's, it's not to the scale of like the thoughtfulness that maybe Mel Gibson had and trying to do a period piece on a Braveheart fight or what Ridley Scott did with Gladiator at the beginning of that. Yeah, right? sure. Not even close. Sure. And, and you're giggling about it because it's Gungans and droids. But sure. it was enough of like, I don't know. It was just fun. I think the Gungans should have been destroyed. Like, yeah, they should have long gone. Like, can we say that maybe the Wakanda shield was taken from this? Dude, I thought yeah, that very much. Okay. So give me at least that. Like, it's like there yeah. was ideas that were good enough to be recycled here. Yeah. Like, um, why aren't we going ahead and shooting the droids before they're activated? I don't know. Like, why aren't we yeah. launching our massive like blowing balls up of their energy tanks as they're still up? folded up? Hey, yeah. I love the way they come out of their tanks. No, oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's a lot of fun. If anything, the battle serves the purpose to show that droids are kind of worthless. Like all you have <laughs> yeah. to do is is kill the main whatever you call it. And Not a huge die. threat. Like now we need clones. So yeah, which fair. ends up being a connection to Boba Fett. Boba Fett, which ends up being Boba Fett. Yeah. Boba Fett, Bowie. which ends up being my super pump in one of the OGs. So that's why I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Can we talk about Anakin in space? Almost my super dump. Yeah. yeah. This is it's just Maguri. Incredible amounts of Maguri. This felt more offensive than Jar Jar. Honestly, like mm. him, him having, you are just so, <laughs> like, okay. An 11 year old who he's basically nine. is. Hey, re- he's nine. A nine year old responsible for winning a war. Yeah. On accident through Maguri, it's trash. It's complete trash. But yeah, you're saying bad. it's it's less trash than Jar Jar? Yeah, still saying that. Oh my God. And I'm going to be the only one who thinks the way that I do. So <laughs> I, I'm living with it. I've lived with it for 31 years now. <laughs> I, I had the toy of this ship though. I had a Lego of this ship. The Lego Ooh, version. Yeah. fun. The yeah. little Naboo, the yellow one. Mm-hmm. Um, Naboo Starfire. So a couple things we got to hit, I think would probably be. Um, the now this is pod racing. Or, no. Now that's what I call pod no. racing. Now Let's this is on. the pod Let's racing. It. Let's it's one it. of those. And then <laughs> at one point early in the movie, he does say, yippee. Yeah, Like pretty enthusiastically. And uh, What do you I'll, want from an 11 year old, a nine year old? I'll try flipping. That's a good trick. Spinning. Um, spinning. So yeah, I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. Can we trick. please talk about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Let's Darth Maul? Let's talk about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul, AKA my super pump yeah, for mine, this movie. Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. Yours as well. <laughs> no, already I already super pumped. I was Darth Maul. So kind of. So this fight is... The best. We get Duel of the Fates, my favorite song from the prequels. We get some of the coolest fighting. um, And we get maybe the best scene, definitely the best scene in this movie. One of the best scenes in the prequels, which is the chase through the hallway with the sliding shield doors. Um, You talked about it a little bit earlier. Qui-Gon kneeling down and meditating rather than standing while Darth Maul is pacing and Obi-Wan is impatient. Which goes nicely with our kind of retrofitted view of the will of the force, which is to accept the things happening around you and to not act in opposition to your environment. Right. Like if, exactly. we're, if we're interpreting that correctly from a new hope, that still kind of tracks for yeah. what Qui-Gon's doing here. Yeah. I try, I can't, I really can't think part of the reason this is my super pump is I can't think of another sword fight in any movie ever that I remember more than this. Yeah. It's close for yep. sure. And yes, the fact that it's star Wars gave it a leg up, but I mean, having him, this is the first, no one knew that Maul, I, I, maybe there were toys or something because we've talked about before, like Legos. Toys spoil spoiler, stuff, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think the anyone double knew that there was going to be another <sighs> blade come out the other That's side. so cool. <sighs> and we're cool with it though. Like there's cool things that no one told us about in the universe like that. And then there's the things that offend us. This was cool. Sure, all yeah. about it. Of course. All about it. he backs it up immediately. This guy's legitimately believably fighting two people. Yeah. 
Right? There's enough mis- mystery and gravitas around him that I totally get it. Sure. Darth Maul could fight them both. Yeah. Yep. And he does pretty well. Uh, Qui-Gon yeah. dies, which, yep. um, you know, it's time. True, true to chance. Which was s- uh, spoiled by the soundtrack before this movie came out. There's a track that John Williams wrote. It's called Qui-Gon's Noble End. And people bought the well, soundtrack because it's the first Star Wars in decades. And they were like, oh, I'm so excited for this new Star Wars music. They bought it, saw that there was a track called Qui-Gon's Noble End. And then the movie opened that weekend. That's hilarious. Oh, yep. oh, no. That sucks so I bad. Had the, I had Maul being cut in half spoiled for me. No really? way. When I was a kid. Whitney Ortega told me. As we were getting in line for lunch. Whitney. Come on. When I was a kid, I thought his pants fell off. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like the robot being people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or robots. Yeah. Darth Maul dying here is a waste. I know he continues in the Clone Wars. Please um, watch Clone. If you hear hey, nothing else in this episode, please watch Clone Wars. And if there's anything that we're learning about the Star Wars universe is if a big bad dies by falling down a long chasm. He don't. They ain't been done. But that's another, I guess that would be another instance of ring theory in which maybe this rhymes with maybe the last one. Yeah. We'll find out. We'll find out. Who knows? But uh, yeah, we get sort of the, the end of Maul, the end of the Trade Federation's attack and the end of this movie. Um, but we also get questions about who is Maul working for? Who's yeah, the secret baddie? Two there are no more, no I, less. I did I, notice I, that I this movie's ending was far less abrupt. Yeah. Yeah, we actually landed our characters somewhere. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I, something that I loved as a kid, you better believe I was marching like a victorious Gungan. Yeah. For those, that parade. You got that swag, man. uh, That last shot of our entire cast, like that super wide shot of everybody and then Boss Nass is holding up the orb of friendship or whatever the heck that is in the middle. (laughs) The Uh, thing that I sold all of that chocolate for in band to to get for free. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's that in the lava lamp, right? Uh, when I was a kid, the DVD that I had of this was full screen. Do you guys remember when they sold full screen DVDs and not widescreen? Yep. Yeah. So all of it was full screen, except for that last shot was not widescreen. It was still full, full screen, but it was just stretched. And everybody was like real tall and skinny. Oh, so it was like squished Ooh, down? Yeah. Like all squished skinny oh, so they could fit every gosh. character in. And so as a kid, I was like, why is the last shot of this movie so bad? Oh my gosh. Did they have one bad camera and they Spe- only used it for that? Speaking of all of the characters, I don't even know if we've uttered her name, but maybe once. Natalie Portman does an okay job. Yeah, she's fine. Okay, she, yeah. She's she like does 19. An, yeah, I mean, yeah. she doesn't. No, she was. Uh, she was younger than that, I think. She was 17 when this was movie she was really? made. Yeah. So yeah. Keira Knightley was like 13 or 14. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Dang. but she does an okay job with this. I really think she's fine. Yeah, yeah she's I don't think she, she doesn't feel like a coming into her own because she becomes an Oscar winner. Obviously, it's not like sure. she's like, wow, she had no idea at that point. Like she's not a Mark Hamill kind of situation, right? Yeah. But, uh, we do get Anakin with his little Padawan braid and his little haircut, and that's always adorable. I don't know if that's necessary. It's always adorable. <laughs> it's okay. um, we don't have a ton of time to talk about it. Real quick, uh, originally Yoda looked absolutely the Yoda puppet was crazy. Doge put together like a six piece uh, Yoda by Yoda comparison. Yeah, it's a Yoda progression scale. It's yeah. a Yoda progression scale. And he threw that on our Slack. It's not just for Instagram. Doge just does these things casually. Yeah. Maybe we post this though. I think it's yeah, going to okay. happen. Yeah, we'll post but it. But I remember now. I, at first I was I was like, oh my gosh. When he shows what the original Yoda was for Phantom Menace. I remember being in the theater and people just kind of laughing. Like yeah. this was so, such a bad yeah, character design. Bad. Doge and I were talking about it. Uh, at dinner before we did Phantom Menace about like 
they people just they were like, oh, like as if Yoda wasn't iconic enough that we're gonna remember what yeah. the dude looks right. like. It was like for every Star Wars movie, they go, wait a minute, what does Yoda look like? Oh yeah, he's like this green elf. Thing. Let's yeah. try this yeah. one. This Make time. a new Yoda for the movie. <laughs> we already know what he looks like. That prop is somewhere. That. Just that prop that. is somewhere. Yeah. Just go watch the movie again. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, should we rate this movie? Please. You know, I think we should for this one. Well, we here at Two Chunks and a Hunk have come up with the perfect way for rating movies. It's the scientific cinema scale, and it is as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. After that, it's going to be buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that, it's forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God, God hath forsaken us. Somebody want to go first? I will. Everybody's a little bit afraid to rate this movie, I think. So I'll do it. I'll be the courageous one. <laughs> I'm going to give Star Wars The Phantom Menace a rent it. I thought it would be a God hath forsaken us. And it wasn't. I enjoyed watching it. I'd watch it again right now, actually. I'm very excited for Attack of the Clones. I'm ready to keep this train a rolling. It's a rent it. I'm going to rate this one a good solid stream it. I watched this uh, in 2015 for the lead up to The Force Awakens. Watched it again last night. And before that, it had been at least at least seven years. Probably won't watch this again for the better part of a decade. <laughs> really don't care for this one. Best thing about it, Darth Maul, and I can get plenty of him in the Clone Wars, which isn't even half as bad as this. Yeah, I... There are... Hmm. Uh-oh. In the originals... I swear if you buy this poster. Star Wars in general is full of flaws. And I think the thing that's offensive about a movie that comes out two decades later is... Why don't we learn from that? Sure. Uh, but then again, no, there's no way around it. Like if it had been a little more flawless, it's like, well, I miss the charm of how it didn't know what was going on in the original. I, I buy the poster. I really do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be different about this. Like for this podcast sake, uh, I, the Phantom Menace, why do I not get to be the 11 year old in 1977? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's why valid. not? That's what I was in 1999. And it was, I had these feelings of, the only thing that's different is I got to have, I, I had seen them and I got to be like, well, no, what he's, he made C-3PO. As I get older, yes, a lot of that falls away and burns away. But the ultimate, like the crux of it, the nucleus of it that made me so excited about these movies. Still there. It was still there. Yeah. I was calling lines before they happened to Chels. I haven't had a bigger smile in the entire Star Wars series and watching it again than I did in Phantom Menace. And I can't ignore that. There was something yeah. about this. Ultimately, it did some stuff better. It actually did a lot of stuff better. But yes, the meat of it, which is the narrative, it did not. But that wasn't enough for me to not love this movie. I buy the poster for Phantom Menace. And I admire I'm, it. I can't be more excited to go through this like, cause it gets worse for me and y'all are saying it gets better for uh -uh. you. No way. I think it gets way better. No, it gets better so, for me. It's going to be great. But I think, yeah, it, it, it did more than enough for me. Is I, this the biggest split we've ever had? This is why I movie? don't think it's a, it's a big one. Did from, you forsake Pride and Prejudice? I don't think so. I went, so this one is streamed to post. You forgot That's a it big or something. Gap. Yeah. I think we've had a bigger one because I bought the poster for Pride and Prejudice. And I think Jordan streamed it. I think it. I forgot it or streamed it. It's close. Yeah. 
but I wouldn't think it would happen on something like Star Wars. But I, I definitely do. And that that doesn't change because I so much about Star Wars for me because Tolkien didn't write it. Culture wrote it. And so I got to have this generation. Like this was yeah. what I owned as an 11-year-old cognizant young man. And yeah. so I was like, this is mine. And it's valid. I don't know if it's as much pride because I really tried to be critical with this watch. And there's a lot of things that, I definitely like more than y'all do like Jar Jar Binks and stuff. I'll hate him real quick. I promise you that when he has a seat on the Senate, I'm out. Like I start <laughs> vomiting in my mouth, but yeah, Crush. buy the poster for Phantom Menace. Fair enough. I appreciate your honesty. That is the craziest <laughs> yeah, thing I've ever heard say one of my friends say. Totally disagree. <laughs> and speaking of honesty, I want to make sure that you tune in next week to hear us talk about episode two, Attack of the Clones. My prediction is... It's pretty spicy as well. <laughs> Guys, it's better than Citizen Kane. Oh, me Carter. Okay. I think it's better than Citizen it's Kane. Me Carter. Interesting. Good impression of Carter. That sounds just like him. <laughs> to close out this week's episode, I'd like for us each. Now, I know the giant fish do have names. I had the book, but I would like to ignore that. And I'd like for each of us to say our name. And then to give a name to the giant fish, the one with the hands, you know, the fish mm. that I'm talking about, yep. the fish with the hands. I'd like for us to name it. <laughs> the fish with the hands. For two chunks and a hunk. I'm Jordan Wonders. And that fish's name is Bethany. He's done. <laughs> He's just done. I literally knew it was going to be a person's name. <laughs> I'm Doge. And in the spirit of our synopsis for this episode, I'm going to take you down a mental railroad oh, no. to see where we arrive. Natalie Portman is in this movie and a portmanteau, I believe is a combination of two words. And so this fish with hands that can grab things once started as a young guppy, a baby fish. And so this fish is called a gruppy, a gruppy. I love that, but not as much as, my own name, Carter, and the name that I've made for this fish. It's also which Carter. It's also, <laughs> no, I should have. It's not. Um, I kind of wanted to branch out a little bit more. Sure. And flex yeah. our creative abilities on this. Podcast. I think I did that. As much as Phantom Menace flexed its creative. I'm only trying I to definitely make, think poke I did y'all that. more in the fact that I bought the poster or not. I love the idea of this being called, and again, pulled from the top of my head. What if it was called Gyarados? <laughs> What if this massive, maybe the I biggest- I was taking a drink. I know you were. Maybe the biggest fish we've seen. There's yeah. something about Gyarados that just feels appropriate. I, that I, I feel like I could swim with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Doesn't, can't you swim with him on Game Boy? Does he allow you to swim? Like surf, you mean? Surf, bro. Yes, dude. <laughs> what is what is surfing if not really fast water surface swimming? That's, tr- <laughs> That's true. Um, okay.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.